Good morning and welcome to the Preventing Grace podcast. It is, I think it's the 30th of January, but I can't see the screen. It so. is because Wednesday is the first day of <clears throat> I feel like February. January is really long for some reason. Hey, I'm happy. This, Jan- this has been a great January as far as weather goes. It's been warm. I think we've, I think we had a, a January this warm. I mean, I didn't really want a warm January, so sweetie, that's because you don't pay the gas bills. <laughs> you don't you don't pay the heat. The heating is like outrageous. We are, we're already paying like so. That last year, <clears throat> we paid five hundred dollars like one month, maybe two months, but that was only like the coldest month, like February, March. This month we've considered every this year, beginning in November. Actually, we've been paying five hundred dollars for heat, and and then you, you then every woman in my house is screaming about turning the heat up. No, you know, the thermostat's staying. Mm-hmm. Well, if you will let us have a fire more often, then you well, wouldn't we be having the, this problem. We didn't get the chimney sweeps in to get. Well, so I'm worried about burning the house down. So we, <laughs> we need to have the chimney swept before we can have a fire. But the gas prices are insane. So I'm super. You you should be praying for global warming, and the I'm, ice caps to melt, and to have all. No, I'm not praying for that. I'm one, I'm I'm too hot. It's too hot. I have to have the window open up here in the attic. It's too just hot. Just because you're just because you're a, a postmenopausal woman doesn't <laughs> doesn't mean that we have to pay five hundred dollars for gas. For well, heat. it does. I think <laughs> there's a lot of I guess factors then coming together in one toxic situation to- toxic the toxicity of our gas bill everybody's wearing two sweaters all the time and good good they should be. If, they, if it gets colder they can wear three sweaters they can just bundle up <laughs> buttercup that's not very nice of you i mean i it's not the gas bill I hate grocery shopping because my grocery bill has doubled. Um, I was, I already, I mean, I'm, I have to really work to keep from buying a lot of stuff anyway, because people are hungry, but, um, somehow last week I worked, I was really careful. Well, I'm not good at like mental math. So by careful, I meant I kept putting stuff back. I wasn't, and I was, you know, picking the cheapest of all the options. Um, and I still got up to the front and paid a lot of money. And what I like is when people are watching me pay for my groceries at Aldi, old ladies, especially get teary and like, tell me God, (laughs) God, for God to bless me. And out of sympathy, like because they know, but they're like, oh I can't goodness. believe that you're spending that. And I always say, I'm. Hmm. It's not just me. I'm feeding six children, and they, they always get like weepy and. <laughs> I would know, do, like, do they tell me they're going to pray? No, I know that. No, because they're you not. Tell rich. them that your tears mean nothing to me. <laughs> Give me some cash. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate the prayer. Um, that has happened more than once, actually. So. Anyway, that's not what we were going to, we were not going to complain. This wasn't going to be a complaining thing today. I I am really happy, actually. A beautiful thing has happened to me, and that is that Marie Kondo has had three children. And she's um, tired of tidying up. (laughs) Marie Kondo is the person who wrote the book about, what was it called? She's the one that said, like, you have to hold something in your hand. You're trying to, she decluttering and minimizing your, the stuff in your house. She was super famous, like, three years ago, four years ago. She's still really famous. Oh, I don't know she? why you're explaining this, because our listener definitely knows who really? Marie is I, better I than you fam- I thought she faded into the background. No, she didn't. She did a second book and got a, a Netflix series where she went into people's houses to declutter. So, no, no, she's only grown in fame but the backlash like one thing i have enjoyed over the last year is that the pushback i don't know what it's called equal and opposite pushing back 
is the maximalist <laughs> option, which is where people say, no, I'm not going to be minimalist. I'm going to, I'm going to literally keep everything because everything sparks joy. I'm going to make no decisions to throw anything away ever again. <laughs> um, but anyway, she had three kids. And so her latest memoir is about how she is sometimes deciding not to keep a perfectly tidy home in order to spend time with her children. And I, th- I honestly so wait, think she so should... Like, so like, how many... You were sent into a tailspin from Marie Kondo. You, you were like... You felt... I felt like you were spiritually convicted of your sin of having too much stuff for a while. And then you got over it. But you were like... You seriously considered it. I did learn to fold all my clothes that way. The, the way of folding clothes is really epic. But I didn't go systematically so through kids, my though. house. I, mean, so like, I, I mean, didn't I do wonder how many women said. were like sent spinning because every woman was. It, it but it's ridiculous because it, yeah, now now she has kids. It's not ridiculous. It's not ridiculous because but there's a single woman living in an apartment. Of course, she's gonna have like a a okay, bare space. It's not ridiculous because she spoke to a real thing, which is that the world is drowning in stuff that that consumerism has is eating out the soul of of ordinary people because they are drowning in stuff they can't get rid of and so she did give a method of of getting rid of things and like sort of a a rubric to consider how to get rid of your stuff because what you hold it when you decide whether you feel yeah 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 okay yeah i mean okay maybe her rubric was does this thing give me joy or something perhaps not the best one and i did enjoy making fun of it but like the underlying truth that everybody has way 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 too much stuff continues to be true but yeah as with so many things she provided a a psychologically I wouldn't say easy, but a psychologically obvious solution that that should have been deeply nuanced. <laughs> she should have had more winsomeness in her in her tidying world. And as with so as with so many things, the solution actually played into the problem itself, which is that you're still the measure of rea- of like happiness in your life if you're like examining each thing as if it whether or not it gives you joy it still makes you an idolater i guess so that was really too bad but in theory it would have been amazing if it had worked it's really important though that she's not doing that anymore like yeah what well, i mean women so, uh, all over that, the world are breathing doesn't that more undo her whole today. system doesn't like doesn't that isn't she like now that that seems to me like a I don't know, like a someone writing a real strongly worded book about you know how you should uh, you know, raise your children in a certain way, and then you find out they weren't ever they, or they, well, no, they, no, they don't have is, children or something. This is like the I kiss dating goodbye guy. Oh yeah, that's yeah. This yeah. is a little bit like that. Yeah, yeah where yeah. he's like, I know a lot of things. <laughs> And I will create an entire culture around my um, sophomoric Christian beliefs. And it turns out I'm not a Christian or I discover later that I'm not a Christian. I, I mean, it's actually tragic that nobody has the confidence, women especially, to organize their lives the way they want to. First of all, they don't know what they want. So, so people come along and tell them what they want. <laughs> then they discover that's not what they wanted. So then they're angry, but nobody is equipped to do something like raise children or, or enjoy being in their own houses. Like there's so much guilt. There's so many, there's so like huge piles, the size of the gar- piles of garbage in the ocean is the woman's guilt associated with her house herself and her child raising abilities so um i saw people on twitter saying i mean i think this was probably the nicer response instead of being like ha 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 now you have children um they were like oh marie kondo learns how to be human being 
and as I said, I'm here for it. (laughs) But Marie Kondo should never have been given the authority to speak into people's lives. But she, she was. Everybody is. I didn't understand the whole thing in the first place. I had no idea why that was even a thing. Right? Why, why some single Asian woman who keeps an immaculate apartment should be telling anybody how to... I don't, I don't understand. I don't, what, what is that? What's that even about? Well, who it's does? a spiritual thing. Okay, it was like a spiritual... It's a, way to, it's a way to become happy. It was a way to get a grip on something that is out of control. It definitely was a, a real problem that, really? that would everybody really has. That would make, that, that would what make, would make you? I mean, I don't think I. I'm looking back at my life. I don't think I've ever been like existentially upset to have a dirty house. I know, but I'm existentially upset when I walk by your desk. Remember when we met in my dorm? Yeah, I know. And, I and that's totally so, so other women are like, "Oh my gosh, I can't live like this," and all the men are. I mean, I don't want to, you know, gender anybody, talk about them <laughs> in a binary way or anything like that. But yeah, in general, men don't care and the reason they don't care is why the women buy Marie Kondo's stuff because they just want to like be able to have a happy life that's all they wanted it's a happy life and the men wouldn't give it to them (laughs) you know (laughs) if every man cleaned his own office none of the women would have bought con Marie (laughs) I think if I think if women just let go of the whole thing oh sure and become maximalists they would be happy well, I have been working. You can't just tell a woman to let go. You know, let, no, let you go massage, and let go. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. You're going to trust God with your house. Well, you just you trust know. God with your electricity bill then. <laughs> Let's just all trust God. Why don't we do that? <laughs> so, I I think that the spirituality part of Con Marie was like part of the deal, though. People wanted the Shintoism that went with it. It came with a big side of... of, Idolatry. Yeah. Yes. You had to thank each item as you let go of it. You had to, like... It was some sort of spiritual act of worship. The part that I couldn't cope with, with, like, I couldn't even fathom, was you were supposed to go through your house and get, like, every thing of one kind so if you back in the day when people had cds you'd go through the house and get every single cd and sort through them in one go and then you'd go through and get every, this is where i stopped i was like no you go through and get every single book in your house and put them all in one place and go through each book to see if it gave if it sparked joy and if it, if your book didn't the book didn't spark joy you could you would let go of it but if there was something in the book that you thought would be good you could tear the book page out and put it in a plastic sheet and put it in a binder and then you could have binders full of book pages book pages that you'd or photocopy that's actually that sounds demonic yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah from the pit of hell yes (laughs) no you (laughs) so that's where i was like oh i i guess i'm done here i've learned how to fold my clothes i've gone through all my socks I've let go of some things that did not give me joy, that I hated, in fact. Thank you for the permission to get rid of this thing that I really hated. But now that you're going at my books, I'm <laughs> I'm done with you, lady. I, yeah, because I, I, mean, I, like I, I like walls of books without, even if I don't ever read them. I know. Well, you, <laughs> the problem is, that's another problem, though, that I have, is your stack of books next to your chair. Oh, I'm reading. It's like climbing up. We're all gonna die. Oh, but I am reading this. Like we hurt ourselves when walking by because the the stack during the week grows into this mountain. Oh, I'm reading all of those books. I can't throw them away. Well, I'm not trying to throw them away. I was just thinking that perhaps while you're not reading the actual book, you could put it on the shelf so people didn't injure themselves. Because then I would have to get up off my chair to get the book. When I that's right there in my pile, I can just. I can just. I just. I feel like some of the books in the pile you have already read, and you could put them back on the shelf. No, no, they're ongoing. I don't think there's anyone there that I've read all the way through. Well, there was a copy of Anne of Green Gables next to your chair, so that's not a book that you're well, that's reading because, right now. That's because when I'm not downstairs, one of my daughters sits in my chair, which I don't like. That should be a sacrosanct chair that none of my daughters get to sit in. That's not fair because they're not... Then, they're, then the child then would have I to come sit in, on the floor. When I come in... And when I sit in my chair, the child looks at me. Well, you're injuring resentfully. Her. Yeah, she's 
obedient and respectful, but I can tell there's like an undercurrent of resentment. So it's because she's probably in the middle of like class or an exam right. and she's comfortably sitting and you're in like, my chair. <laughs> well, we need more comfortable chairs then. Everybody needs their own chair. Look sad next time you go to the grocery store. Some of you because you're losing money. <laughs> so, is there anything else you want to say about Conmarie? No, no. I, I think this is. I, I really have embraced maximalism as a decorative option for my house. I'm trying to fill every single speck of wall, and is it is a spiritual activity. I don't want to have to see any blank space on my walls. Um, it's important to me. It's so, like totally, it's like anti-Marie Kondo, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm reacting too far the other <laughs> way, for sure. But one thing I have that a lot of other people don't have in this world, and I don't know where I got it. I think I got it from not growing up here. I have the confidence, I have had the confidence to raise my children the way I wanted to. I was a, I was a fairly relaxed and confident mother, and I enjoy keeping house hmm. and doing things in my house that, a lot of people feel like they're not allowed to do for some reason, like paint the walls. I don't know why that is. Or hang things anywhere I want with tacks. Well, I think people look at our house and think that, you know, wonder why we painted the walls. <laughs> yeah, they don't understand. Because the colors we have, a, we, we have a beautiful... We are, but why, why did you paint that wall vermilion? <laughs> it's lurid red. And then... It's not lurid. Some people think of it that way. Well... You know what? They can go paint their house the way they want to. They don't need to have an expert come in and tell them what colors to paint. Well, but right. the expert class in America drives me absolutely crazy. Oh, I do have... I know we're going to talk about other things. I can't remember what they are, but I have three Twitter followers. Not Twitter. Three Instagram followers that I want to plug. Um, the first two are my children. Because I told them I would plug them. You're welcome to follow my children on Instagram. <laughs> one of them is called Targombi. <clears throat> he is a great artist. He's really good. Want to follow his art? I like drawing. I don't know how to spell Targombi, but I yeah. if you follow me, you can find him. And then the other one is the girl child Elphine, and she writes funny, um, fake Bible quotes on the board of church, and then puts them on her Instagram. They're not very beautiful, but they're they are funny. I forgot to. Oh, so you left your teaching in front of the LDL. That's really great. And then the other one is not, I'm not related to this person, but I do like the um, fake I'm an influencer. Riley Laster does, I'm an influencer and I'm gonna, (laughs) and then she makes fun, I think basically of Rachel Hollis, but also everybody Hmm. who does that. So uh, you should definitely follow Riley Laster on Instagram. Okay, those were my Instagram plugs. Don't follow me because I don't ever post. <clears throat> but maybe I'll learn how. What were the other things you wanted to talk about today? We were going to talk about the Holy Post. We we're going to talk about Andy Stanley. <clears throat> and which one of those did you are you do you feel most incensed about? I don't feel incensed about either one of them. I just I, with Andy Stanley, I have. <clears throat> I don't feel incensed. I feel smug. <laughs> it's it's bad. I shouldn't feel that. But but. I remember, right, like, was it Pepperidge Farm remembers? I, I remember <laughs> ten years ago when Andy Stanley started swaying, going off the going off the rails, uh, um, critiquing people who preach from the Bible, verse by verse, as as you know, no one's going to listen to them, and they should just stop doing that and because they could they wouldn't be able to like it what back then wasn't it about being um sen- sensitive to the unchurched yeah like, and so don't he wanted you wanted to be attractional so right. you have to be you can't just be expositional in your sermons isn't that what he was doing or am i misremembering no that's exactly, exactly right and and i said I, I listened to one of his sermons and it was it was I could tell. I I knew how he was skewing. I knew he was he was he was on a journey away from biblical Christianity, and so I said so. And uh, man, I'm telling you, I got a lot of a lot of pushback. Some very important people. A very important person, probably one of the most important persons. I won't name names. 
in the ATA wrote me a scathing email saying, I'm personal friends with Andy Stanley, and you don't know anything about him or his theology. He's great. It's even to be quiet. And so I wrote this person back, and I, I shared some things that Andy Stanley had been writing. And the person said, oh, okay. I mean, that was really great. Yeah, that, I'm glad that there was a, a walk back. But um, the, I, what, what the whole, and now if you haven't heard, Andy Stanley has now been exposed as, as fully affirming. There was a, a dinner party that in, he invited there was a, a con of, there was a conference. Well, no. Oh, there's two things. There's a dinner party which he invited a lot of pastors to, and he explained that he was affirming. And he hasn't he just hasn't said it publicly yet because he knows there's some gonna be some But then there's a downfall long... in his or there's gonna right. be some the outcome for his own personal church will not be great. Because a probably a lot of probably a lot of people if they knew that would leave. Um and so in he <laughs> in the conference you're talking about, he was just somehow you need to slowly yeah, you don't want people to lose their church. Like, he's explaining how you change direction or whatever. I po I posted it last week. Um, but you, you don't want to just come out and be prophetic and um, make everybody angry and then have them all go away. You want to slowly and gradually, of course, through leadership... That's always the word that gets me. It's not, it's leadership. You're the leader. Um, rather than, I don't think that that should be a Christian word, leader. Like, um, well, he was, you know, he, he, he wasn't, he was talking about it as, as pastor, but yeah, you're right. There's a, there's a move, there's a, within the mega church movement, there's like a, almost a fewer yeah. leadership <laughs> style. Chris, literally, Chris Roseborough talks about the sourcing for this idea of pastor as as mein Führer. as leader right? Führer. <laughs> and it comes it actually comes from a german theorist that's just, yeah, no, no it does chris rosebro did the, the background work on this it actually does um that that church model is you know, basically fascism <laughs> but that's really um, i'm gonna just do that whenever anybody is not a good shepherd we're gonna say well, you have a visionary strongman, a visionary strongman <laughs> who casts a vision for the church, and everybody has to listen to get in line with that vision. That, that's that's a whole that's a whole model, and that's very much it's a pure leadership principle. Um, anyway, the the uh, whereas like in actuality, you know, vision and one <laughs> literally Hitler, the um the the pastor doesn't have to have a vision for people. The pastor has to show up and do his job i mean and just go go it's as a as the leader rather than the cure cure of souls model right. like that you're caring for people on their wilderness journey right. until they die and you're there for them and you're making sure they all go basically in the same direction right but you're not trying to get them to enact their best lives right. now shepherd is a much better but, and he was talking about shepherding, but the way he was talking about shepherding was like like the the cliched turning the heat up in the pot while you're boiling a frog. Like just you do it slowly so no one jumps out of the pot until you get to where you want them to go. Because you don't want he said you don't want to take their church away from them. Right. Which is true. I mean like if you like if you know, it, it sounded like the kind of advice that I was given going into Good Shepherd, which is, you know, you wait a year before you make any changes because you don't want to you don't want to just destroy someone's spiritual life because you're a young guy at a seminary and wants to do wants to change a few things which is good advice you know you're, you're, unless of course the church is heretical and you've got to then you have to make some quick changes um but stanley is talking about moving the church to heresy yeah <laughs> how do you how do you move a how do you bring a progressive transformation to a church that's tied down to conservative while well, you start slowly and then and and eventually you get to the boiling point but the frog won't know it until it's boiling that's the that was that was essentially what he was saying so anyway back to my smugness i was i was, I was this whole the and the point i'm making about this is not it's not a defense for smugness but it's i think there are a lot of people do not have discernment a lot of people in very high places, a lot of people who are influential in the church, and not just saying ACNA, but evangelical church, just don't have discernment. They can't sniff out 
rotten fruit. They, they can't smell a false teacher. And so when, when others who do have that, I think it's a spiritual gift, discernment, recognize, okay, this guy's there's something wrong with this person. The ones who don't have that get enraged. Because it's usually the people who are usually leading the church away from Christ are the people who are very popular, who have, who are charismatic. And I don't mean that in a, a spiritual gifts way. I mean a charismatic and Personality. persona. And, and they've said some helpful things for people. And so you critique them because you see where they're going. And there's, there's outrage. But I, I think God does give people... And here, maybe I am being charismatic in a spiritual sense. I think God gives people a gift of discernment. I think he gives a lot of pastors a gift of discernment. Well, not because, enough of them. Well, okay. Maybe not the mega pastors, but the, but I think a lot of pastors. That's, I think God does give pastors in general who are faithful the, the ability to sniff out when something's heading in the wrong direction. And, and so I think people who, who have, if you like, okay, so I'll say if you have in the past championed people who have subsequently come out to be false teachers, and if that's a habit for you, like if you really loved Brian McLaren, if you loved Rob Bell, if you loved Andy Stanley, if you loved, uh, I'm trying to think of another one, uh, who's a woman that you were, you wrote about who? Well, right, uh, Jen Hatmaker. Jen Hatmaker. Um, and if you were angry when people were warning you about those people, you're probably someone who doesn't have, and that's not bad. You don't have discernment. I'm not saying that in a bad way. I don't. There's a lot of gifts that I don't have. I don't have. Um, can't think of anything. I can't think right of now. any on top of my head. There's lots of. I know. I'm. I'm. That's not because I'm. Okay. I don't. Uh, I don't have a good um, uh, radar for. Um. Well, you, you tell me what I don't have. It doesn't matter. This isn't about me. I can definitely not about think me. of bad things about you. Yeah, I can uh, think of lots of bad things about me. Um, so, but if you don't have, if if you're that if you're that person who's just continually getting on the on the train behind somebody, and that somebody turns out to be heretical after you've been warned and hated and hated the people who are warning you, or got angry at who are warning you, then, then you you don't have discernment. You probably should step back and listen to be be more attuned to what. The, the discernment people are telling you. I mean, the problem too, though, is that for a while in the recent past, in like the last year, there for a while through evangelicalism, quote, there was discernment ministries, and a lot of those people yeah. began to be really annoying because right. everybody turns out to be a heretic when you're looking for a heretic. Yes, but totally maligning and castigating every single person who might have been discerning which is what happened in the pushback against right. discernment ministries <clears throat> um everybody who has discernment got swept away and told to that they were just heresy hunting which isn't true right. i mean you don't have to hunt actually you can just get on twitter and and look at this thread by andy stanley you're not you're not like out yeah. looking for it Somebody posts, well, I was in a room with this person, and then you can hear what the person is saying. It doesn't take, it shouldn't take you very long to see that that person has gone away and, as you were saying, has been going away for a while. Like, right, right. You don't have to be um, pulpit and pen to, to, to do that. Right. Uh, and I do think, like, some of those discernment ministries are, are way out of bounds. Got exhausting and mean. Right. Right. But I don't know. Like, if you don't have discernment, you might think that um, revoice is fine. <laughs> the most, I mean, the most recent example, aside from Andy Stanley, the most recent example of this was um, the, the pushback you got, and we're, here we're gonna we have to name her every single podcast, or it's not. It's not the Stanford podcast, or it's not the uh, Creating Grace podcast, but the pushback you got with the Chris KK DeMay thing, with Chris DeMay stuff. You wrote a perfectly fine article exposing her as um, against Christians, right? Against Christians, and when we knew, I knew. I, I still went back and read some of her Twitter threads. I knew she was affirming. And, you can tell she's affirming. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to wait for somebody to say I'm affirming. 
to be able to tell that that's the the way that they read the Bible and talk about Christian faith. You can tell they're affirming and waiting until they actually just cross that line uh, means that we you are constantly we're carrying rafts of people with them. Well, yeah, and you're always then having to back away over and over again from people who you could have never gone near in the first place because if you had been paying attention and you had and that's okay so that's the thing i think people have the the gift of spiritual discernment but also you can develop discernment by reading the bible a lot like immersing yourself in the scriptures so that your internal paradigms your internal furniture spiritual furniture is formed and shaped by scripture rather than by the next expert guru and for some reason american christians just don't want to do that they don't want the bible to be sufficient for their spiritual lives i don't understand why they don't they say they do they always say they did but but it turned out not to be true it was like you know, they wanted to kiss dating goodbye, but then they didn't want to kiss dating goodbye. <laughs> like, well, I think the point, I mean, you're right. I mean, I, I, it's not just like a super spiritual, mystical, magical gift. If you're, if you're reading the Bible every day and you're immersed in it, you know, not just, not just the, the passages you have, but like going through the Bible systematically, you're going to, your, your senses are going to be tuned in a way that, that you won't, if you don't. So you have, you, you can, you know, you may not be a, you don't have to be a theologian, but you, you'll be able to say, okay, this, there's something about this person's teaching that isn't, isn't right. And you may not even be able to identify it and that's fine, but you, but you it have, should give, it should, it should make you, you should have a visceral reaction to it. You should have a whole body. Yeah. A spiritual reaction where you feel cringe and yeah, you don't know why something's off. Then you can go and say, you can ask, you can find out from other people like, Hey, have you read this? Have you seen this? Um, and usually there's something really clear about it where it directly uh, contradicts scripture in some essential way. Right. That if you, um, because you've been formed by reading the Bible and your categories are biblical, which I, again, I've heard people maligning the biblical worldview thing. Yeah. Okay, fine. No biblical worldview, but biblical categories. Why are they maligning the biblical well, you can have a world. I don't know. It's like a whole other argument about whether or not you can have no, a world. No, you can have view. a biblical worldview. That's that's a that's a deconstructionist bunch of nonsense. Um, yes, you can. Well, you can certainly have biblical categories. Instincts. Your, mm-hmm. your instincts, your spine, your spiritual st- spine can be formed by scripture, so that you have a backbone that's biblical. Right. <laughs> Uh, I do think the worldview language is all like it's all in your head, and I think this your your discernment capabilities should be deeply whole person. <laughs> they should be in your um, heart and in your mind. Right. And I do think people don't um, it, it really dwelling in the scripture is hard because you will encounter God. And who's going to tell you no all the time? And I think that's why people don't want to do that because it's painful. And so it's easier to go hear from Andy Stanley or Jen Hatmaker about how you're not wrong. That God isn't telling you no when you go hear the Bible from them. He's always sort of gently telling you, yes, you just need to work a little harder at something. But um, so it's more painful and I can see why people wouldn't want to do it. But anyway, this thread that he did or this this tweet thread where he's basically saying you should be more like Satan for your as a pastor as a pastor was really shocking and and horrible um yeah it was it was but yeah it's it's I'm, I'm really we this is one of the times we thank God that something's been exposed that this is this is now everybody who was following him now has to make a choice about whether they're going to continue to platform him follow him and talk about him as if he's a a christian leader because he's he's now clearly not 
and he looks so angry. That's the part that's really been interesting to watch. Yeah. And this, in the his demeanor in these clips, he looks so angry, like he's been personally injured, and that's yeah. what's surprising. Yeah. I don't understand where the rage comes from because. Uh, he's got a he's a very successful person. Yeah. He's got, I mean, yeah. I don't know where he's just, where just he's looks angry. angry. Um. This kind of maybe leads into the next thing we wanted to talk about. Um, okay, so I finally, I did listen to the whole, uh, it was going around, people clipped out from the Holy Post, the section where they're talking about the English <laughs> church, uh, and they're trying to understand why the English church would say that they are not changing the doctrine of marriage, but then they're going to allow churches and pastors to bless civil same-sex civil unions come to church and have those civil unions blessed and they were trying to uh understand that admittedly it is i would say completely non-understandable so (laughs) uh, it's a it's a contradictory thing to do and obviously the english bishops are trying to do something that you can't do right like you can't so, and I wanted to say, I listened to it, um, and I thought, I think his name is Sky, um, had a grasp of the issues that was po- on point. I would and think he's he the more liberal one, right? I the, think so. He doesn't, I, I don't think he would probably have a, a problem with what the pastors were doing, but um, Phil He was Bishop, understanding why he was understanding people do have a problem with it, yeah. Right. And that it is a zero-sum game either you bless homosexuality as if it's from god from god the church god is blessing these things when the church says we will offer a blessing that's not just random people offering a blessing that is god saying this is okay right or you don't do that and the woman on the show i forget her name what was her name i think it's christina but i'm probably pronouncing i mean i I don't know if she got if she was she was so confused about about everything because <laughs> her 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 point well we don't we want god to bless people and god blesses people we want we should we should god should bless people shouldn't he and it well we we yes would bless people but that's not what's happening they're blessing relationships and marriages that have been done civilly in the church and so that and, and so that what you're doing is you're saying god is is pleased with this relationship if you bless those and you can't do it and um she couldn't grasp that she said well you know uh don't we want them to bear it she really thought it was mostly about not hurting people's feelings which was interesting her her take on it was the, these people are lovely people who just want to have uh committed relationships and isn't it better for them to have committed relationships and to have non-committed relationships and, and shouldn't the church you know bless the the the, uh, the the that kind of commitment they have to one another and and it, it I, I, I was i was kind of surprised that phil fisher had her has her on her his show because she was really mouthing just the the straight down the line um progressive talking points on this but not in a sophisticated way. It was almost like someone who's read the straight in the line progressive talking points and just is kind of mouthing them and, and is really emotional about it. Well, I think she's re- wrestling with it. It yeah. seemed like she was really wrestling with it. I don't... I f- it felt to me like a little bit disingenuous that you would not be able to understand why this is a, a, a church... A, a Christian world dividing issue yeah. because it is a question. I mean, the only way, again, the only way that you can even have the conversation that the Holy Post had, I would say is if you think this is a, this worldly issue right. without eternal implications. Right. They were kind of addressing it as a sociological question. It's a sociological question, right? question. And in that case, if it's a sociological question, why can't question, we all get along? Right. <laughs> well, if it's a sociological question, people being in healthy quote flourishing relationships with each other that quote bear fruit is a is a vital importance 
you know, you, you want people to have healthy relationships. You would not ever want to tell anybody uh, that they shouldn't come to church for some reason or that they've done something that sets them outside of the boundaries of the church. That would be the worst thing you could do if, if this world is what we're talking about. Right, if there's no heaven or hell. But the problem with God in the church is that we're not talking about this world. Mm-hmm. We are talking about the next world. And so it is impossible to flourish in this world by doing something that cuts you off from the next world forever. Yeah. Yeah. You just can't have that and so it feels cruel but it's kind to tell somebody that um if they keep doing something they're they're not going to be okay like that's actually a blessing right the church needs to bless people by saying don't do that (laughs) yeah you know you're you're, since it's really important that that, you know you the the Bear, the people talk about how these couples are, are committed, faithful, loving, and the, the two are clearly bearing fruit. And, and that, this is something we heard in the Episcopal Church, if you remember. The, 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 the reason we should or let Gene Robinson be consecrated as a bishop is because look at, look at his life. He's such a good person. But the problem is that, you know, that begs the question, what is bearing fruit? And if, if you take the scriptures as your measure for what fruit is, the fact that Gene Robinson was in a relationship meant that he was, by definition, not bearing fruit. So, so, so <laughs> it's like kind of like saying, well, aside from you know, the pederasty that this person's involved in, or aside from the bestiality this person's involved in, or aside from the adulterous affair this person's having, this person's bearing great fruit. It's really nice. No, no it, it, the actual relationship is the sign that person's not bearing good fruit. Um, so, so it doesn't matter how nice the other per- the person is in, in other parts of their of their life if they're doing that thing. They're, they're, that's, they're already showing rotten fruit and need to be brought back into the faith and, and, and told to repent and turn to Jesus and who he can forgive you. It is a very, it's interesting how the word blessing has been taken and in the Anglican world um, abused and destroyed. Yeah. You can't bless something that God doesn't bless. Right. Um, and so the, taking the word blessing the way the English church has done mm-hmm. and or the Episcopal church did this and then saying that they the church will bless something that God has um, said sends you outside of the kingdom of God is a really great evil. Mm-hmm. That is a, a terrible evil. Um, it, it does make that church, to say that it means the church then stops being a church. It's not a church anymore. Yeah. If it's go- if a church says, I'm going to bless what God curses, um, it's not a church right. anymore. So, and, and, and that, I don't that's, think... Well, the, way that's, the way that's articulated by those who are pushing for this thing is that, you know, you, you, what, the church blesses animals. You're, you're, you, you, you can bless an animal, but you can't bless these two loving people who are loving one another. And no, it's, it's God can definitely bless animals because animals aren't doing anything wrong. Um, and he created them, and but he's not going to bless your perverse relationship because it is wrong, and and so there's a difference between blessing animals and blessing uh, a perverse relationship. One is acting according to the natural order of things that God created, and one is not. The other thing that really um, upset me about what I think her name was Christina, I couldn't quite understand, and I then looked for the names written down, and I couldn't find them either, but... Um, the way that she talked about how people in her life have it, it makes her sad when they decide to, you know, be in relationships that God doesn't approve of, but she's not going to cut them out of her life mm. because that would be cruel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's two things that disturbed me about that. First, there's a distinction between you as an individual having relationships with people in your family and preaching the gospel to them and maintaining your connections with people. The church isn't asking you to, to send away your right, children right. or parents or whatever and cut them off forever um, in, a, in a shunning way. Right. 
you can be a Christian who has great relationships with people you love who you don't agree with, of course. Yeah. That's different than the church doing it, which Sky pointed out, which I thought was really helpful. But then the other thing that in all of this conversation about the homosexuality in the church, uh, as you lessen the, the impactfulness of heaven and hell, as you take away your eyes from eternity, you then have to become a strong person who has the power to save. And it's your connection and relationships with people that has the power to save them. And that that's so upsetting to yeah. me because one of the most important things that anybody said to me, an Episcopalian said it to me when we were waiting to have Emma, I was pregnant with Emma. This person said to me, you're not that powerful. You don't have the power Unless she said, unless you go set out to destroy the life of your child, you don't have the power to destroy the life of your child or to save the life of your child. You're not powerful. Um, yeah, unless you're absolutely malign, you're not going to do, which was a great comfort to me at the time, but I've taken it in the opposite sense since having all these children. I don't have the power to save my children. My relationships with my children are not the, the saving, saving work right. of Christ. And I, my relationships with people who decide to do the wrong thing are not the saving work of Christ. Only God can save. And if I think that my personal connection to people, my relationships with them, keep them in the kingdom of God, well, I'm super anxious for yeah. one thing. Yeah. You're... And I'm going to do the wrong thing out of fear that they're not going to be saved. So that should go away <laughs> just if i had one thing to say to the holy post you don't have the power to save people so yeah um you I'm, don't have to be anxious about it you can pray for them you can right. put them in god's hand you can speak the truth and god will work he can save people on his own right the the this you know i think phil fisher is one of those people who I would say beware of. Not he's not yet. I don't think crossed the line into affirming, but he's made some nudges in that direction. And so, um, yeah, be careful with him. He said he's a guy. He did the Veggie Tales, so it's kind of sad. The I mean, I, I didn't like the Veggie Tales in particular, but but they were funny sometimes. And are, are, are kids watch the Veggie Tales, or was that mm -hmm. past their time, or that before their time? It was. Like past, it was before. It was after our time and before theirs. So right, right. they, we, we were in the, we lost in the, um, and I, I'm sort of grieved because I do the Veggie Tales are funny, but one thing that I think is really tragic about the way that the Christian and this is gonna make me sound like a Puritan because <laughs> I'm not. I really am not. I love funny things and I. I don't, I love, well, I, you know, I love The Chosen because it's funny. I don't think that you have to be puritanical about what you watch, but I, I do think the Bible is, um, really, it is the strong power of God, the thing that God uses to save. And if your catechesis, if your instruction in the scripture was based mostly found, formed in the veggie tales, and that's what you that's how you came to know the stories of the Bible, it's possible that you don't you're not able to trust them because right. um, they're incoherent. Like I think the way that the veggie tales tells the stories of the Bible is one of it's like Monty Python, which is funny because of its it's incoherence it's um poking holes in things and um yeah anyway i mean i don't think you should necessarily stop watching veggie tales at all but if that was your main form of of biblical instruction which i wonder if a lot of evangelicals got most of their emotional instruction in the scriptures from the veggie tales or things like that then yes of course you would not uh, want to hear more about the Bible. You wouldn't want to be instructed in the scriptures because 
Right. It's not coherent. It doesn't make any sense. And good news for you, Lent is coming up. So if you ha- if you are one of those people who has decided not to read your Bible, and you've been a Christian for a long time, or not decided, you just, you just don't. You've never read the whole thing. A great Lenten discipline would be to read the whole Bible. Just you don't, don't set a time limit. Don't say, oh, I'm going to read the whole thing in a year. But just start systematically working your way through. I would say both read it and listen to it. Like yeah. read and listen to it. It is a audible. You can, we can get a, a free version to listen to online and listen to whole big chapters yeah, all at once and uh, try to let it sink in as you're listening and, I mean, one of the great things about going to church is that you hear the, you should go to a church where you hear the Bible read aloud to you and you listen carefully and it, it's a, an astonishing, um, kind of thing, what it does to your mind and heart when you listen to it. Um, it is a very dangerous text. It does have the power to change the way you think and feel. And so yeah, you should be careful. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's, yes. Um, oh my gosh, this is so long. Yeah, we've made it long. And it hasn't yeah. been funny, so. Yeah, we should have been, oh. We should go, we should pass on to our regular lives. And <laughs> I'm just really sad. I think I listened, listening to the Holy Post, I was sad because I, I love funny things. And I felt like um, they are intelligent people and they could have, framed up those issues um i i i feel like they must certainly know what's at stake and i felt like they played a very serious issue too lightly um and yeah anyway i shouldn't impute motives but or try to read the intentions of the heart and now people are shouting so shall we yeah we should go okay well thank you so much for listening and maybe we'll be back next week